Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Corey Propes, and welcome to the Diet Doc Life Mastery Podcast. I'm your host and your resident health psychologist. I'm here today with Beth Brouillard. We are addressing the topic today of, Beth, I'm going to give this one to you. What is it? Set point weight theory. So All how right. do we know? What is it? How do we know if we're there? <laughs> and maybe we'll dispel a couple myths as well. Ooh, I like it. Okay. This is a topic that I've had come up in a number of my sessions recently, actually. And I was asked the question, do I believe in it? <laughs> I do, in fact, believe in it. <laughs> and it's not just going off of blind faith, but we have quite a lot, quite a few studies um, demonstrating why why this makes sense and what the theory is. And um, a, lot of, a lot of the studies have been done on rats actually, but are, can, can generally be applied to humans as well. So um, maybe we could just start off Beth with talking about what body fat set point range theory is. <laughs> We're adding a whole bunch of new words to it. Um, <laughs> lots of people look at it as a, like a, point in terms of weight or a point in terms of, of maybe like body fat percentage, but it is actually a range. Just like our, our weights will fluctuate day to day and maybe week to week, um, our set point, which is the, the weight or the body fat percentage that our bodies will try to defend the maintenance of, we can look at it that way. Our bodies try to defend a certain body fat percentage range or weight range. And it's a body fat range that when you're eating normally, right? And you're not eating in, in a diety way, you're not restricting in any sort of way, you're not yo-yoing in terms of eating, you're not eating in a, in a disordered sort of pattern that your body will gravitate towards naturally. Yes. Yeah. So I like to also look at it as when you listen to your body's senses of hunger, sensations, hunger, fullness, satiety, usually that'll bring you to your body's kind of healthy ideal set point. So individuals who are dieting then, where does that put them? Maybe we can look at it from that perspective. Are people who are dieting or have dieted and are at a lower body weight than when they started, are they, are they, are their bodies operating within a set point, their set point range? So I can say that when I was in a dieting mentality, yeah you're trying to fight against your body's natural set point, right? You're trying to either through, through restricting food or for adding in more activity, you're trying to burn more calories and you're trying to get below your set point weight. I shouldn't say that. If you were not eating with normal eating patterns, honoring hunger, honoring fullness. If you had yo-yo dieting, you may have well been above your set point to start because of those things. But then once you're at your set point in dieting, people are trying to keep pushing below that set point over time. And the idea is they're trying to, to lower their natural set point. When in reality, a lot of times, if you get to that point through dieting, 
it's actually where your body is unhealthy. Um, so I think that a lot of dieting behaviors cause us to eat in ways that either are raising up our, raising our set point because of the, the impact of restriction and then binge or dieting for a while, losing some weight and then yo-yoing and gaining it back. It's possible they keep pushing up that set point. Or if you're chronically restricting, over-exercising, you're pushing it lower, but that is not your your ideal healthy set point. If you are not trying to control your body weight or your body composition through food restriction or exercising, wherever you would naturally kind of land with normal eating patterns, healthy movement, you know, maybe some regular exercise, but not intentional over-exercising for weight loss, that's really where you usually fall into your body's natural healthy set point. And for some people, it means if you diet for a while and you lose 10 pounds and then you gain it back and you kind of just hang out there, well, that's probably where your natural genetic set point might be. So, okay, there are a few things that I feel like we should probably dive into, Beth. Maybe first, what are the physiological mechanisms that are involved in maintaining that set point range that our body defends? We can get into that. And then I, you may have said it a couple times, but normal eating. I think I said it in the very beginning. What the heck does that look like? I know people are asking. <laughs> um, so that's two. And then maybe number three is how do we know if we are below our body's natural set point range? Are there cues, are there symptoms, are there things that we can notice or look for um, that will tell us like, yeah, my body is legitimately trying to make me gain weight <laughs> in order to be healthier, in a healthier, more vital energetic place. So maybe let's start with number one. and. I think it's important for people to understand that. So we, we used to believe that fat on our bodies, adipose tissue was inert, right? That it was, it was just fat. It didn't do anything. It wasn't metabolically active in any way, but it actually very much is. And it's, it's classified as an organ actually in our bodies. Fat tissue is, um, and it's the body fat cells that actually control the set point range that your body will defend. Much like an analogy perhaps is like the thermostat that controls the temperature of your home. Um, body fat cells release a hormone called leptin. Most people who are probably listening to this have heard of that hormone. It's the appetite suppressant hormone. And it, so it controls hunger and it controls your metabolic rate. So let's say you go on a calorically restrictive diet and your body fat cells shrink. Your body fat, we all have a certain number of body fat cells and when we gain weight, they expand in size and when we lose weight, they shrink, right? So you're on a diet, your body fat cells shrink. Leptin release decreases when that happens. So what does that mean? When the appetite suppressant hormone decreases, hunger increases, 
right? And your body's other natural mechanism is that your metabolic rate decreases also. So you're feeling hungrier, your metabolism is ratcheting downward, and that promotes an increase in food consumption. And the idea is to raise the body fat level back to where it was before. Our bodies are so smart. <laughs> they want to maintain this homeostatic level. Um, so over time, if you, if you would classify yourself as a yo-yo dieter, you're, you lose weight and then you gain it back and you lose weight and then you gain it back. And usually when you gain it back, you're going to gain a little bit more each time. You lose it and it's like this point you lose becomes this point you lose becomes this point. And as Beth had mentioned, that kind of increase um, you see is your set point range becoming higher as a result of this. Because your body feels like it's threatened. So it's gonna do what it can to, it's gonna get increasingly tighter, like induce an increasingly tighter amount of control. So caloric restriction decreases fat cell size, okay? But in, in one study that, that I <laughs> read, Beth, what happened was they had rats who they put on a diet and their body fat cells shrunk, okay? But then when they were, they allowed the rats to be like, just have free reign of food. So now they're like, they're engaged in overfeeding because they've been restricted for so long. Now their, their hunger is ratcheted so far up that now they're overfeeding what happened. It wasn't that their fat cells just grew in size again. It was that they increased the number of fat cells. <laughs> so with more fat cells, what can happen? Well, you have a greater chance of fat storage. And I just think that's fascinating. And we're literally doing this to ourselves by the restriction and, and well, I mean, what happens? We, we're typically engaging in, you know, overfeeding after restricting for so long because it's just not something we can maintain. And binge eating often occurs as a result of, of significant dietary restriction as well. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think it was on Real Health Radio, maybe. Mm. And they were actually talking about a study also where your, your fat, when you, when you regain weight after a diet, your, when you lose lean body mass, it wasn't just the weight set point that was also the body fat, but it was also the lean body mass. So when you're losing weight, you're losing usually some lean body mass with that. And your body would regenerate the fat cells and, and, and you would gain that back first, but then you would often go over that because your lean tissue and your other, you know, organs and anything else that had kind of sacrificed and suffered during that time of dieting could only be repaired and replenished after your body fat got back to its normal range as well so that i thought that was really interesting to know that um that you know body fat is going to be the number one need that's met we'll just say and then the other organs and tissues can can 
benefit from yeah. the bringing your caloric intake back up or bringing your exercise back down. Well, it just shows too, again, that body fat is not inert. Like it, it is an organ with significant um, influence on, on our hormones. And this isn't something we can control. And we think we can. And I think there are, there are going to be some people who have just such a high level of control personality wise that they're going to be able to maintain a lower weight no matter what. But that's, it's yep. very few okay. and far between. And often suffers consequences if, you know, if you're, if you're able to do that, like I was. So let's talk about that, Beth. Can, what are, like, let's just number them off. What are the potential consequences that can tell us that we're living below our natural, uh, I'm putting this in quotes because it can mean a lot of different things to different people, natural, healthiest weight range, set point range, or body fat range. How, how do we know if it's below it? So one thing is you start feeling cold all of the time. Hmm. You're just, you know, everyone else in the room is fine and you're constantly having to bundle up. That is a, a sign that maybe you've got some thyroid slowdown starting to happen and that your body is just not able to, to hold on to the body heat, your, your metabolism slowing down. Things are really starting to kind of slow down. Um, another one, you start getting a little bit preoccupied with food. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the first time that I dieted down for a bodybuilding um, competition. I remember the first time I ever, like, everything I saw, all these recipes looked amazing. Like, you get obsessed with food. Food is just, it's, you start to get that drive, that food drive. Not just like, oh, it's almost dinner, I'm getting hungry, what would I like to eat? But you start thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Um, so that preoccupation with food, always having a little bit of a sense of hunger, even if you eat, like you could eat more. Um, for me, that was a big one, like having to fill up on veggies because I had to feel full because I didn't have enough caloric intake in my days. Yeah. And Beth, um, I, think, and I, I think that that the, the physical, the physiology, physiological change of the, that gnawing sense of hunger because leptin leptin has declined and ghrelin is going up at the same time that's going to increase the food preoccupation and all of the thoughts that you're having yeah. i will add that your mood changes your mm. your mood can significantly change and th this isn't just psychology this is you know as a result of your physiology they are intimately connected <laughs> um and I, I got very just like morose and it was hard for me to smile. Um, there was an element of depression there when, when I was in significantly below my weight set point range. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Constant kind of fatigue. Mm -hmm. you, your, your meat goes down, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis. You don't want to be as as rambunctious and up and about unless you're working out you know it's kind of like you you just start slow and everything down <laughs> yeah yeah low sex drive that's another one that people don't like to talk about but it's real if you've been below your ideal set point you're probably almost guaranteed to have a really low low or non-existent sex drive mm-hmm 
Anything else? Yeah. Sleep. Sleep. Cannot get a good night's sleep. Waking up in the middle of the night, having a hard time. Actually, frequent urination is also been studied and known and shown to um, be very common if you're if you're below your set point weight and been restricting and over-exercising and basically over-stressed. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just gonna say stress because all of these, this entire process is stressful on the body. There's the, the psychological stress, but there's also the physiological stress. Uh, and many women, I'm sure you're gonna mention this one, Beth, lose their menstrual cycles and that's an indicator of significant stress on the body. Something has shut down. We're shutting down certain processes because not an, we don't have enough body fat. Uh, we're not we're not probably consuming we're not consuming enough food. We're not getting enough overall nourishment in order for the body to have the energy it needs in order to have the processes occur that need to to keep us thriving <laughs> yeah and and oftentimes i feel like they kind of go hand in hand where you're restricting food and you're under under feeding and you might be over exercising and your body's trying to do the best it can it can but it just has to start shutting things down because you're just not giving it enough energy to do what you're asking your body to do, what you're putting it through. Yeah, I often say, you know, especially when we're looking at um, a, a woman perhaps who has lost her menstrual, menstrual cycle, if we look at everything, we're going to find things that are being overdone and things that are being underdone. We're either doing too much of something and or usually and doing too little of other things. And so it does literally become about assessing those and helping everything come back to a homeostatic balance. Yeah. And the hard yeah. thing about this is, you know, everyone is so focused on body fat percentage and being lean and achieving a certain look um, that, yeah, we can really get caught up in these behaviors that are not, they're not they're not overall healthy, healthy for us. Um, we, we can begin to look at this very myopically and become so focused and just drilled in on one thing. And that's how our bodies appear. Absolutely. And, you know, being in that position myself for years, I can say that, you know, not having periods as a woman, you're kind of like, oh, well, it's kind of a blessing. Who wants to go through that? But if that's, a, if that's where you are at, just start doing a little bit of research on the health consequences of not having regular periods. Because for me, I saw it as like, yeah, you know, as long as you're not trying to conceive, what's, what's the big deal? When really, once I really started to look into things a little bit deeper, I realized I was compromising my health just by, by consistently staying in that, in that position. So it's good to be aware that if you're in that situation, it's worth just educating yourself so that you can make some choices if, if you really do care about true overall health and well-being. Yeah, I think we need maybe a separate podcast, Beth, on just menstrual health, because we could go off on so many tangents right now. In my mind, I'm imagining my appointments with 
the doctor that I had for years and them telling me, well, you can just go on birth control. And you and I both know that that is not the best route for recovering a period if we are interested in optimal health. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. Like stick a pin in that. We'll address it another time. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add to this conversation, um, Beth? Maybe really quickly, let's go over a couple things that might help someone to understand if they're if they're likely or possibly above their healthy mm, okay. ideal at that point. Sure. Um, so I feel like there are some some habits or behaviors that if you are consistently finding yourself in, then there's a good chance that they may have resulted in you bringing your set point up or having you kind of hover above what really might be healthy and ideal for your body. Um, and I think it's hard because people think that they have their healthy range, healthy weight range in their head. But if you've never kind of set your expectations of your body aside and then just really focused on those healthy lifestyle habits, really practiced like what is normal, healthy eating. Mm. Um, and if you've gotten out of some of those patterns, like that's where you kind of let your expectation go and let your body show you where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So maybe working through some of these behaviors would help people to get to a point where they can do that. Yeah, love it. Um, so the first one I'll mention is, you know, I think I mentioned at the beginning, if you can't recognize when you're really hungry or full or satisfied, I think those things are three separate feelings. And sometimes people can recognize when they're hungry, but not full, or they recognize when they're full, but not satisfied. So to kind of pull those apart, um, I think that if you are honoring your hunger, that's going to kind of help set you up so that you can start to honor the feelings of satisfaction and fullness. Um, so if you're completely like, wow, I don't really pay attention to those things. Well, then there's a, a good chance. Maybe you're above your set point. Um, I agree, Beth. And you, it can be complicated. And let's just remind everyone that this is a process and a, and a practice. And if you've been a chronic dieter, it's highly likely that your body is, it's not giving you the normal cues for hunger and for satiety. We know that individuals who have been chronic dieters, typically they, they get as compared to people who don't diet and who are unrestrained eaters, they need to feel much, 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 much hungrier in order to eat. And then they need a lot, lot, lot more food in order to feel full. So to, to regulate yeah. that is, it's a practice. And it can't happen if you are restricting. Um, let's see, another one. If you're someone who has a tendency to like, well, and I guess this would all go back to being a restrained eater. If you have a tendency to skip meals so that you can save up to have a, a big feast later. So you're kind of like, not honoring the hunger, you're fighting against it, you're fighting against it, and then you go to eat whatever that meal might be, and it's like, now you're kind of like feeling out of control, and you're eating all the food, and now you're beyond stuffed, you're uncomfortable, so if you're someone that does those, you know, up and down patterns, there's a good chance you're, you're, you're kind of hanging up 
hanging on the high end of your set point and kind of pushing it up or, or not paying attention to it. Yeah, the, flood, um, the floodgates have opened. Uh, I remember, yeah. I remember years back, Beth, when um, I would have clients who, and this was when I first started doing nutrition coaching, and they they would call the big meal that they would have on the weekend or the one meal that they would have during the week that it was a lot like. They could just eat what they wanted and there were no, no safeguards or restraints or guidelines or anything because they're dieting. Um, the, they would call it the cheat. And I just remember coming into the industry and being like, this feels messed up to me. <laughs> <laughs> this feels really just wrong that we would call it this. A, it just it sounds like you're doing something wrong and you're breaking the law and like, can we, let's change the language here. But then too, what I started thinking about was, it's like we set ourselves up for the feast. Yes, A, by restricting in the first place. Um, yeah, because we're hungry all the time. But B, we've already said we're gonna do it. And so we set ourselves up for getting to the point oftentimes of uncomfortable fullness and not paying attention because we've already said we're going to do it and this is going to be the meal. We put ourselves in the position of not listening to our bodies. It's like, no, I'm going to have this massive meal. It does not matter how I feel. I'm going to do it. Um, and it's just like all of this, all the signals become crossed and all mixed up. And it's like, whoa whoa how did we even get here in the first place a it shouldn't be called a cheat meal anyway because you're not not legitimately not doing something wrong but that's diet culture coming into play right um but then two what if you go into that meal having eaten regular meals throughout the day and then you're just like not actually hungry for it or um this I don't know that I'm going to enjoy it. Like I scheduled the cheat meal, but now I actually don't want it. Do you have it anyway? Do you override the signals? And most people do if they've been dieting really, really strictly. Um, but that just, it yeah. just kept coming up for me. And even when I was dieting, I'm like, I don't know if this is even going to taste good. And yet I had the other thoughts like, but you're freaking hungry. So you need to do it. And yeah. And if you're truly hungry and you truly have been restricting, you're also now rushing and eating it so fast. Totally. So you're not even, you're, there's no way you're going to walk away feeling satisfied. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> if you're eating foods that you've maybe previously deemed off limits or forbidden foods, then you're eating fast and you're eating probably with some guilt and shame. And so now you're focused on the guilt and shame and how you shouldn't be eating it <laughs> and again overriding your ability to feel satisfied and sense your level of enjoyment with the food and actually taste it yeah wow okay yeah mm -hmm. so we've talked a lot today about how how we've talked about obviously our set point weight but how many ways in which the process of dieting causes us to 
not know how to eat normally. And we wonder why clients come to us not knowing what to eat, right? Like, um, yeah. just listen to everything we've just said. If you're dieting, you have, you have no idea what your body really needs. No wonder they come to us and feel lost. Absolutely. So if we can learn to get back in touch with our body and let it kind of dictate what it needs and then allow our weight to be what it is when we're eating normally again, when we're having that relaxed meal all the time, and that relaxed meal truly means a calm, enjoyable, guilt-free, go with the flow, mm. stop when you're full. Like that is, in my opinion, way more overall health promoting and enjoyable. And it allows you to just be yourself and go have a normal meal with your family. <laughs> that sounds like a pipe dream, Beth. I think you're nuts. No, I think you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that this is a good point for us to stop on and to say, maybe for our next episode, we dive into what is normal eating. Yeah, I love it. Okay, I love awesome. it. Let's help people eat normally again. Let's, let's make that our mission together. <laughs> and feel good about their body, even if they don't like it every day. <laughs> There it is. And I think that that is often what is underlying diets in the first place is this dissatisfaction with how our bodies look and with our appearance. And that is definitely something to dig into. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being here today, Beth. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a review too. It helps other listeners find us and your feedback lets us know what resonates with you and what you might want to learn more about. Thanks for listening.